When Woody Creek was born. Maximilian Monk and James Richard Hooper sailed from England on the same slow boat. Monk, a younger son of English gentry, came cabin class. Hooper, the only son of a shepherd, came steerage, or cattle class. What Hooper lacked in the monetary department he made up for in stature and constitution. An overly tall, rough-cut young man, he had no sense of fear, and an all-encompassing desire to own the land he worked. In the colonies, it was said that there was land for the taking. Hooper and a party of seven, financed by Maximilian Monk, set off from the settlement of Melbourne to claim their share. They followed a river that fed into a creek, then for days followed that creek's twists and turns through a native-infested forest. Before they found an end to the tall timber, one of their party was dead, another of them dying, and the rest wishing they'd never left England's shores until they stumbled out to an expanse of green pasture, cleared for them by God or bushfire. In those distant times, possession was nine-tenths of the law in Australia, and there was little enough law to be had in the few settlements. Hooper's party claimed those pastures, naming them Three Pines, for the trio of Murray Pines they made camp beneath. Two days later they dug a second grave beneath the central tree. History books have been written about the colonizers' struggle to tame Australia. Poets have written odes to sunburnt countries and sweeping plains, to sunsets the like of which few Englishmen had seen. A land of droughts and flooding rains, Australia. Suffice it to say that two land-hungry men from different backgrounds with different priorities ended up dividing the Three Pines property. Monk took the lion's share and the name. He'd put up the money to find it, then to buy it. His family put up the money to build him a mansion for his English bride. Hooper did without a house or wife for years, and when he got himself one of each, his wife was dead in under twelve months. Babes of the Hooper line, big in the head, broad in the shoulder, had a bad habit of killing their mothers in childbirth. Back in the days when a family may have produced a dozen offspring in the hope of raising two, a Hooper considered himself blessed if he got one son out intact. When he did, that son was cherished which may have explained why the Hoopers had grown taller, stronger than their neighbours. They were men of perseverance, and James Hooper persevered with wives. He wed four, and for his persistence got himself two living sons and a daughter, who failed to reach her second year. His firstborn, Richard, would have inherited the family property had he towed the line and wed when he was supposed to wed. His father, grown old, had grown impatient to see the next generation. A hooper temper could smolder for years, but rarely flare, which was as well, 
said one spark flying, and like fire in the eucalypt forest, there was no stopping it until it burned everything in its path. James Hooper's temper flared in 1860 and raged for weeks. The last old man Hooper saw of his firstborn for ten years was his big black stallion clearing the post and rail fence that separated Hooper land from Three Pines. By 1860, Maximilian Monk had a dozen maids to clean his house, to dress his wife, to cook and serve what they cooked. One of them, a buxom, dark-eyed, Welsh gypsy of a girl, disappeared the same day as Hooper's son. There was a nine-year age difference between James Hooper's sons and the younger, Walter was as tame as the older was wild.